Today's episode of Locked On Wild is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. You are Locked on Wild, your Minnesota Wild, every day here on the Locked on Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Bully of 10krinks.com, and with me is Tony Abbott, also of 10krinks.com. Tony, how are you doing today? Hey, Joe. I'm doing real good. It's just uh, it's just a lot of late nights right now, and I am... Oh, boy. It's, uh, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. I tried to nap earlier. I did nap successfully. <laughs> But uh, that has not helped. It is 1.05 a.m. right now as we're recording yeah. this. And I am dragging. Locked on Wild is working overtime to get you, the listener, your content that you need for your week. Uh, it is it is late. I am dead tired. But I'm going to go to bed happy. Minnesota Wild did face off against the Vancouver Canucks in Game 1 action of the qualifying round series against the Canucks. And uh, they pulled out the victory with a 3 to nothing win with a absolutely suffocating defensive uh, f- effort by uh, by the defensemen and the forwards, pretty much just choking the life out of just about anybody uh, in blue for the Vancouver Canucks. So we're definitely going to talk about that today. But uh, I do want to talk to you about kind of the events leading up. Obviously, uh, I think it was Saturday when play officially began. Yep. Matt Dumba... Uh, came out with a, uh, a speech before the Blackhawks took on the. Uh, it's late. Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, Edmonton Oilers. Yes, it was, uh, and and it was a powerful speech. Uh, sounds like he wrote it. He memorized everything. He didn't use the teleprompter. Um, spoke from the heart regarding uh, racism and and trying to change the league, as a also a founding member of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. And uh, he knelt uh, the American National Anthem. Mm-hmm. And um, during the uh, the game uh, with the Wild, he was on the bench during the National Anthem with a solitary fist raised in the air. Uh, want to talk about that first here, um, just because of the surrounding things going on in the NHL, as well as a lot of the players are getting a ton of heat for not uh, necessarily stepping up and, and helping out uh, in this time. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's first talk about, uh, let's first talk about Dumba and his actions. And I, I just want to say that, uh, uh, and I think, I think I know Joe agrees with this. And, and I think a lot of people do as well, is that just what he did, I think was in, incredibly brave, um, to, uh, to go out there and speak out against racism in, um, you know, in a sport that has, uh, has racism problems, you know, in countries, uh, both America and Canada, that have racism problems, mm-hmm. and you know, I I think that uh, I think that, uh, I mean, he he isn't the first uh, player to uh, to do that. The Hockey Diversity Alliance just uh, started up, and uh, and they uh, 
you know that is, that is a group of I believe nine players. Um, who, I think it was three, yeah. Who are who are coming together and and doing that, and then uh, of course JT Brown raised his fist during the national anthem a few years ago. So um, not the 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 first, but certainly a very notable player on a very big stage uh, saying stuff that needed to be said. Um, Absolutely. And, and I, I think that uh, I, I think that the state of hockey should be nothing but proud of Dumba for having the courage to go out there and doing what he did, knowing that he was going to get a lot of attention, knowing that uh, he was going to get a lot of negative attention. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can you can uh, look at, you know, the comments to uh, to any of these and you'll find uh, some very uh, gross invectives hurled Dumba's way. Uh, and, you know, putting himself out there in a league where the the whole thing for, for most players in the culture, right, is never, ever put yourself out there. And right. Dumba did, and he did for a really great cause. And uh, I think that should be nothing but saluted. And, and the big thing is with Dumba, too, that he is a very solid player on the ice, uh, very much has star potential, I think, um, as well as he is an absolute star in the community. I mean, I know during the first intermission they talked, talked about his rebuild Minnesota, about rebuilding Lake Street after the riots that happened. But uh, it was even before that he just always put his name behind big causes. Black, Her- uh, Black Girl Hockey, I believe, was one of those. Was it last year or even the year before? Um, that he was also raising awareness for. He really is uh, a proponent for some real great causes. And, um, you know, without Jason Zucker here c- catching all the uh, the headlines when it comes to uh, philanthropy, um, Matt Dumba certainly has been taking that, taking those reins and, uh, and running with them. And we should feel very proud as Minnesota Wild fans and media and whatever uh, you want to affiliate yourself with the team that um, – Matt Dumba is certainly a player, a stand-up, uh, stand-up guy, and uh, following through on on the actions uh, is is also like you said, starting the uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance as well. So I absolutely agree, and uh, just incredibly brave actions that he took to uh, to say the words that needed to be said. And I, it'd be great if uh, his teammates could uh, raise a fist in solidarity with him. Or, or yeah, or, or or something, right? Like they they I I really wish they would have done something in solidarity with Matt Dumba that you could see on the ice. Uh, I know that uh, Jonas Brodin and Alex Galchenyuk um were with Dumba, uh, right before he came out to uh to give his speech. Um, mm-hmm. I I uh, I heard some uh, quotes from Marcus Foligno on uh FSN that they uh that they said and in in the athletic he he wrote about Matt Dumba there in the athletic but uh in terms of on the ice right like yep. you didn't really see anything even from you know those players which is kind of weird right because like you know like you're in that locker room every day those are your teammates and mm-hmm. and you know they're doing something big something important and and to not come out and support that uh publicly uh, unless Dumba went behind the scenes and said, like, I, I don't want you to do this with me, 
which we don't know if he did or not. It hasn't come mm-hmm. up, I, I think, in any interview, at least at, at, at the time of this recording. Uh, it's very disappointing to uh, to not see, you know, any action that, uh, that we could see. And we were definitely looking for uh, it, like, really looking close at... Yeah, uh, Dumba's teammates to see if they would do anything, and and I didn't see anything. No, it was the big thing is, is you wonder if something was said because I don't. You would even thought like maybe like a Jordan Greenway would have done something. Um, being that he is also another person of color on the team, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe you, there is something to that argument that maybe he wanted to. And I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying I don't know if that was being said. Right. And I'm just saying there could be something to that argument. But um, you're right. I do feel like maybe I set my I I was I was setting myself up to be disappointed by the wild and 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 the, the players themselves actually doing something that, you know, would have been on the cutting edge, according to the rest of of the league. Uh, or at least at this point in, in each of the bubbles, not really doing much uh, except for basically relying on Matt Dumba to say the words and then retweeting it because that's all that they can muster at this point. Um, it would have been nice to have seen something more and maybe it is performative, but even just by standing up and sticking up for your teammate and for something that, uh, you know, is absolutely true and uh, near and dear to him as a cause, it would have just been like, Hey, uh, this is uh, this is a nice vote of uh, solidarity mm-hmm. among the players in that locker room. Uh, you mentioned Greenway. I, I do just want to say, like, it shouldn't have to be up to just, you know, Matt Dumba or Agreed. Jordan Greenway. And I, and I know you're agreeing with that. I just want to make that very clear uh, that it, it is not up to players of color to uh, be leading and being the only people in this movement, right? You need uh, Dumba needs his white teammates to be there for him mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and it can't ju- like I know that uh, before the Avs game, the exhibition game, uh, the uh, the the players of color on both teams, uh, Minnesota and Colorado, uh, were together during the anthem. They kind of like locked arms and shoulders, um, and. Like, but you you don't see that uh, uh, during the anthem or, or or anywhere except you know like you hear about it a little bit behind the scenes of Dumba's white teammates you know speaking out and uh, speaking you know in support or, or doing a gesture in support and if Dumba isn't asking them to not join him and and have him be the only person out there if that's not happening and and uh and and the team isn't supporting him you know isn't isn't doing something to be in solidarity with him then i i don't want to hear anything about how you know they're great leaders or teammates because like this is the stuff that really counts and you can't be there for your teammates when it really counts that's really Mm -hmm. damning and that's really disappointing and i really hope that that isn't the case. Yeah, if you're wearing a letter and you can't spare a simple gesture by raising a fist, um, and you don't have to wear a letter, but the letter presumably means something to these guys. 
And uh, if you're unable to raise your fist in solidarity at a time that that actually means something, the little things, which is actually a big thing in this case, um, it is disappointing. So a tough segue to get out of that, but uh, the Wild do come away. Winners in game one against Vancouver. We're going to get to our our takeaways and maybe surprises from game one and our initial reaction here. Again, it is uh, coming across the 115 mark here uh, several <laughs> time. So uh, we, I do want to first talk to you about uh, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is going to be that place that I'm going to because, you know what, I noticed in my vehicle today there's a little popping sound. It almost sounds like a rock that gets wedged out from underneath your tire. And I can't tell you what it is, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to That's find wheelitis. It. it could be wheelitis for sure. Um, but the, the big thing is, is what I'm looking forward to do is uh, I'm going to find out what that is. But I know that I'm going to get a great deal when I go to rockauto.com to order that part. And you know what? It's going to come. I don't have to go anywhere. I just go online peruse their their extensive catalog it's easy to search by make and model i happen to have a 2014 toyota camry and uh this thing is gonna you know run forever as long as i take care of it but i gotta have the prices at decent prices as well in order to take care of it um and rockauto.com is going to do that for me and i know that i'm not getting an extra you know markup on the part that i'm ordering because they don't have two tier pricings for, for mechanics or the do it yourself, or it's one reliably low price for everybody. And when I go there, I'm going to put locked on in their How did you hear about us box so that they know that locked on sent you. It's perfect. It's easy. It's simple to do. And uh, check out rockauto.com right now for their amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So Joe will be going to rockauto.com and I will be praying that his car's wheelitis is cured. <laughs> we should uh, we should definitely talk about the uh the game 1 win. It was a, it was a real nice win, 3 nothing. Uh Fiala gets on the board pretty early in the first period, I think. Uh on, on the first power play, like right away yep. on the first power play with uh with a blast from the point that I don't know what it hit, if it hit anything, but it, it beat Markstrom pretty cleanly. Then um then Jared Spurgeon has a snipe on the power play in the second period after the tide kinda <laughs> was turning against Minnesota a little bit. Jared Spurgeon kinda saves the day, puts Minnesota up two nothing, and then and in the third period, like there was just nothing from Vancouver. I think they had one shot in the last eleven minutes or something wild like that. Uh, where where absolutely yeah. nothing was going to get through, including uh, including on a, a really crucial power play that Vancouver had late in the game, Minnesota snuffed mm-hmm. that out, and uh, and and they won. They go up one nothing in the series. Yeah, it was a complete defensive stymied effort from the from Minnesota Wild, which is one of the things that if you look back at our uh, at our um, prediction series predictions uh, on ZoneCoverage.com now. By the way, we got to make the announcement here. Zone coverage, the Minnesota Wild portion of it, the new vertical for the Wild that we have over there, we're actually renaming to uh, and rebranding to 10krinks.com. So just put 10krinks.com right into your bookmark, and and you'll find all of our content there. And uh, this will be a nice uh, nice landing spot for all of your Wild coverage going forward here for you. 
through this series, through however long the wild go, and then also into your off season and pretty much from here on out. So check out 10 kranks.com. Anyways, if you go back to 10 kranks.com on Friday, we had our series predictions and uh, I talked about kind of how the way the wild are going to win is because of their structure. I mean, it is something that is truly impressive when it is working. And I think we saw a stat that the that the Vancouver Canucks didn't have, was it a single shot in the last 1130 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was, it was like that. want to clear for, for me. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible um, for a team that was only down two goals and a chance to get into it in the wild just did not give any inch in that. And, um, uh, yeah, that was certainly a uh, – uh, a takeaway that I took from, and, and, and the hope is obviously they carry this forward, that they just do not give an inch to the Pettersons and the Bessers and the, and the, and the JT Millers and the Horvats and all that. Um, but they have to keep their pedal on the metal on the defensive side of this thing. Otherwise stuff can unravel quickly against this Vancouver Canucks team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I, I think that was kind of the story of the game was just how good the defense was. Uh, like pretty much every shot, I think 17 of their 25 shots, at least at one point, uh, uh, they, they made 28, uh, (laughs) shots, uh, which Stalock stopped all of them. We'll have to give him credit a little bit later, but, um, most of those shots over half of them, well over half were from the point. They weren't allowing anything under the, under the dots. They weren't letting Vancouver get into, to Alex Stalock's kitchen. And like that is, you know, when you're when you're worried about goaltending, right? That's what you want to do. And I think uh, I think we talked about that in our uh, in our pregame shot show. Um, that you know, Alex Daylock, <laughs> when you give him low danger shots, he's gonna do all right. It's just when those uh, when those shots get from dangerous places, that's gonna give you a lot of trouble uh, if you're him. And and that's fine. Like he's uh, he's been a backup goalie most of his career. Like that's remember, probably most, yeah. Most goalies will have trouble with high, high danger shots, but the oh, idea yeah. is stop more than your fair share of them, and um, and limit those chances as best you can. And that's exactly what he did. And if you're Al Stalock, you just want him to, uh, you know, especially if you have a defense like Minnesota's, right? Just stop the shots that you are supposed to stop, right? Don't let any soft goals in. That's where Dubnik has has struggled in the past. Uh, so I, I think that, uh, I think that Stalock did a, a really great job, uh, handling that, especially in the second where things started to get a, a little bit sloppy defensively. Yeah, yep. And then, uh, and then Minnesota was able to, uh, to put it together, uh, once, uh, they went up to nothing. I think that kind of gave them a sigh of relief. Like, no, the end isn't coming. We're going <laughs> to be just fine. Um, right. and then, uh, and then when you talk about in particular, right, the, uh, the top six, of Vancouver specifically their star players like mm-hmm. when you're when you're worried about Vancouver like and that was the reason I picked Vancouver in my predictions piece was like oh man they've got Ilias Pettersson they've got JT Miller they got Brock Besser like those guys I, I, I'm, I'm really worried that those guys are, are just going to overwhelm uh Minnesota but that didn't happen like those guys were shut down real good um, JT Miller had two shots. Um, I'm looking at Ilias Pettersson, two shots, Brock Besser, uh, one shot. And I think combined for expected goals, they had 0.13. Oh, 
expected goals, which is pretty miserable uh, for three players combined. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players on Minnesota had 0.13 expected goals or more. So basically, <laughs> uh, uh, Jewel Erickson Eck made about the same amount of impact on, on the scoring as as those three guys combined, which I, I think that if you're shutting down those guys, you're you're doing pretty good. I think I saw Alex Alexander Edler and Chris Tanov, who by the way got destroyed by Ryan Hart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, those two players led the Vancouver Canucks with I think four or five shots apiece, and you know what? Call that a win for the Minnesota Wild because oh yeah. They will absolutely take that trade off if a defenseman is getting uh, the the team lead in shots uh, over uh, some of the firepower that they absolutely have. A big thing in hockey analytics is um, the shift of focus from offense coming from the point to closer to the net. Uh, because you know, like if if you have someone like Brent Burns, like even Brent Burns, someone who is as good of a goal scorer as as he is. Uh, shooting 400 times a year from the point. Like, even if he scores 30 goals, right, that's still a pretty low percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, obviously, it, it's nice when uh, it's nice when he's blasting 300 shots from the point. But, you know, like, if you're <laughs> blasting 300 shots from, you know, 15, 20 feet out of the net, you're going to do a lot better than doing it from 40 or 50 feet away. So, right. um yeah, like you'll take those point shots all day, and and like, I I think Hughes Quinn Hughes didn't even get that much. Yeah, no, he just got two shots. So like, yeah. you're if if a defenseman on Vancouver not named Quinn Hughes is taking the bulk of the shots, like, like you said, Joe, they will they will take that. They will take that in all five games of the series. They absolutely will. You just love to see it. Uh, we kind of glossed over it, and I do want to take a break here first, and then we'll come back to it. But uh, we do want to talk about the Kevin Fiala and really just the power play in general being really the difference maker uh, so far in game one of this series. Again, the Minnesota Wild are winners 3 nothing over the Vancouver Canucks in game one of the qualifying round series. Uh, game two is set to take place again at like 9.30 at night. Uh, make sure you uh, take a, a midday nap or, you know, find some pot or of coffee. Or something like Maybe that. next time I'll take two. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's going to take place on Tuesday. So uh, stick around. We're going to talk more about uh, uh, the takeaways from game one. You're listening to Locked on Wild. Welcome back to Locked on Wild. It's Joe and Tony guiding the ship here. We are reacting to... Again, we're almost immediately after. It's almost 1.30 in the morning here on Monday morning. Uh, the Minnesota Wild just defeated the Vancouver Canucks 3 to nothing in Game 1. And uh, we we talked about kind of the defensive effort, but I do want to talk about uh, the off, the offensive output here that uh, the Minnesota Wild were able to do. And they did win 3 nothing. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't necessarily great at all times, but... Uh, what happened was is the Minnesota Wild really took advantage of their opportunities on the power play. Yeah, they did. Uh, they uh, they obviously had the the one to lead off scoring with Kevin Fiala, like uh, you know scoring like I, I think what would kind of be like a harmless puck from anyone else, right? Like 
I, I don't I, I think it was like at the point. Like it was actually yeah. like at the point where he it fired was it from. Problem, yeah. And, and he got uh, the and he got it through. And I think I think I said that oh God, like where when did I say this? Because I, I feel like I've said so many things in so many articles. I think it was in our uh, our preview article, our roundtable article on Thursday, um, where we were talking about like X factors and stuff like that, and it's like or, or whether Kem Fiala could keep it up. And I said, you know, I I don't think it's a reasonable expectation for Kem Fiala to keep it up, but also when you're a star you do things that are unreasonable. And I think that that goal is one of those things where it's like, it's not reasonable that Kevin Fiala scores from that far. Uh, but he did. And, uh, and we're, we're extremely happy for it. And it was a big goal. It came at just 200 uh, at the two minute and 52nd mark into the first period. Again, it was the wild's first power play opportunity. And it was, uh, it was a it was a faceoff win by Eric Stahl and Jared Spurgeon was the one on the uh, on the initial pass to set him up for the one timer and um, again with going back to our pregame shots uh, segment with uh, with Giles and Drew from 10K Rinks, I kind of mentioned that uh, you know the, the Wild are going to rely on, on Kevin Fiala a lot and he really hasn't scored even in the scrimmages and even the exhibition game and so getting him going is going to be important. So I think that really took a load off of him a lot, being able to score what it became the eventual game winner. But, uh, you know, to be kind of the leader in the clubhouse for his team where they're expecting him to score and, uh, you know, he, he delivers early and kind of sets the table for the Minnesota Wild. You, you even mentioned it on Twitter. Um, even when he's not scoring, you still absolutely saw that confidence of carrying the puck and trying to be a difference maker every shift that he's on there. And I think that that helps with his confidence when he's scoring that early in the game. Yeah, nine shot attempts for Fiala, five shots on goal, and then three scoring chances. And, you know, a lot of a lot of moments where he was, you know, buzzing the puck too. Like, uh, was it him who had the – yeah, he had the uh, breakout pass to Eric Stahl – uh, that gave Stahl a breakaway where he easily could have scored on that. That could have easily been more offense for Fiala. Um, you know, there there were shifts where he would just like, it would be, you would maybe be able to knock him off the puck for a second, but he'd go and retrieve it and he'd find it again. Um, he is he he really doesn't look like he skipped a beat at all. Another player that doesn't look like he skipped a beat is Jared Spurgeon. He scored Not two one goals. bit <laughs> uh, a power play goal. Um, Ended up going through uh, the defender's legs on the way through a, a, a five-hole that I think you could have driven a truck through on, on Jacob Markstrom. Um, and then uh, uh, an empty, added the uh, empty netter late in the third period as well. But uh, Jared Spurgeon, again, just uh, continues to just dazzle. And, and uh, it, when you see the Roussel comment about having the best offensive defense and things like <laughs> think about Jared Spurgeon who just continues to get overlooked, but he just continues to play not only well defensively, you saw him kind of go into a prone. Uh, I think it was like a fumbled almost two on one with Spurgeon back and he ended up making a nice play, uh, putting a stick out to foil a, a Brock Besser chance in the, um, uh, I think it was the second period. And uh, really, what he he just does it on both ends of the ice, and, and Jared Spurgeon again does not look like he's skipped a beat here. Joe, 
we just love to watch Jared Spurgeon. Yeah, you absolutely love to watch what he does on the ice. He's so good, and, and like he'll ne- he'll never be underrated. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I do wanna I do wanna shout out uh, real bad night for uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and their top penalty killer Jay Beagle. But going <laughs> back to Jared Spurgeon, uh, guys, just he's just money, man. He's just money in the playoffs. I know that he had a, a rough series against. Uh, against St. Louis and then Winnipeg the year after that. I, I can't remember if he was hurt in the Winnipeg series. I think he might have been. But, uh, like, he, he might have had a, a couple of rough playoff goes, but he is one of the best uh, the best power play scorers in the NHL from the blue line. Uh, in the regular season, I think he's, like, really, really far up there. I haven't mm-hmm. checked in a while, but he is uh, pretty far up there. But in the playoffs, I, I I tweeted it off the 10K Rinks account, and I think I'm going to write a little bit more into it tomorrow. But I think J, uh, uh, John Carlson, sorry, I almost said Jason Carlson or JT Carlson. Sure. I, my brain is scrambled eggs right now. Again, it's 1.30 in the morning. He is the only defenseman since 2012 to have more than 50 minutes of power play time in the playoffs and produce goals at a higher rate. And that's not even counting tonight, which I don't think is technically even the playoffs. So, well, uh, the stats do count for the playoffs, I think is what they've said. Okay. So it's weird, but I think all the stats they're they're not counting towards the regular season. They're now playoff stats. Okay. So then, uh, then he'll probably be even higher than, uh, than, uh, John Carlson. Uh, with uh, you know, with five power play goals in his playoff career, I I know that you know he's got some games on him, but like at the same time, right? Like I I think that it's a real tough fight to get any sort of power play time as a defenseman in Minnesota. You've had right. Ryan Suter, you've had Matt Dumba. Um, I mean, even like even Brad Hunt, uh, you know, dips into that power play minute mm-hmm. stash and and. Yeah, Jared Jared Spurgeon is as money on the power of play as any of those guys. Absolutely. Um, before we go, is there any final surprises or our last uh, what we learned maybe of uh, after game one? Um, I I think that we've learned that uh, you know, this will still be a defensive struggle. I think is what we've learned. Um, I, I think the conditions of the ice might favor a more grinded out game, like uh, like the Minnesota Wild, you know, kind of thriving. Um, I, I think that if you thought that, and I, I kind of did think that, uh, you know, you know your, your systems and timing might have been off after four months of, of not being able to play, and, like, how many months of that did most players go without being able to skate like three months of that um mm-hmm. if you thought that was going to affect uh timing and maybe lead to some more fire wagon hockey uh maybe in the chicago edmonton series but definitely not <laughs> this one yeah no i i definitely think that uh it'll be interesting to see if the wild can can uh get the drop on uh, on the canucks in in future games uh, i have a feeling that not only will vancouver come out hard and heavy in the uh, the next game the minnesota wild will need to be prepared and they're not going to be able to surprise 
the Canucks as much. And are they able to going to stick to that structure? It worked in game one. They got the, the series lead. They only need two more wins. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the Canucks will have a lot to say about how the rest of the series is going to go. I still think this is a very evenly matched for the most part. And uh, you saw Jacob Markstrom. He kept it uh, a one nothing game for as long as he could. And uh, it certainly could have been a blowout if he wasn't a stellar. So, I mean, at five on five, they played to a draw. They did. So uh, definitely some things to look forward to uh, in game two. Again, that's Tuesday night at 930 Central Time. Uh, we'll be back at, <laughs> for recapping that game. Probably another late one, but uh, we do it because, uh, well, we, we're happy that hockey is back. So, all right, Tony, where can we find you on the internet? So you can find me on Twitter at Tony. You can also find me in uh, my work at 10krinks.com. Uh, also, follow the 10K Rinks MN Twitter account. That's how it is, uh, at 10K Rinks MN. So follow 10K Rinks on Twitter. Uh, and also join us for our pregame show, uh, the, the pregame shots. We do that over Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow the, the 10K Rinks uh, Twitter account to, to find out how to, uh, like, what the room number is and how to get in. But uh, we'll be doing a panel show before game two um, where we talk about, uh, like, previewing the game. And, uh, and, and, and we'll try to have some fun, answer some questions there. Uh, it should be a really good time. Please do that. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me, Joe. Perfect. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. Also, all my work, follow it at 10krinks.com. Make, just like Tony said, make sure you follow 10krinksMN on Twitter as well. That's going to do it for today's show. If you liked today's show, please hit subscribe to your device. Sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Locked on Wild. You can also get in touch with us via email. Just email us at LockedOnWild at gmail.com. I suspect we're going to get a lot of uh, questions in mailbag. Hopefully prior to uh, game two, we definitely would love to see those and send them in again via email or on Twitter. Also support our sponsors because they support us. Thank you for listening to Locked on Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild in the playoffs every day.